do you know the scriptures that that song was taken from? Well, that's where I want you to turn in your Bible, if you will. <laughs> so we'll we'll wait till you get there. If you know. <laughs> it's the Song of Solomon. And... Um, if you um, if you would look what what page did you say what page is it on? Uh, well, it's on page if you have a Schofield Bible, it's on page seven hundred and seven. If you don't, you ought to buy you one. The Song of Solomon in chapter 4, please. I, I thought it'd be good to um, to mention this to you, and then the first thing Alan said was, I want you to bear with me. And and that's my line. I was wanting you to to bear with me tonight for, for a little while. Uh, but um, anyway, Alan's already done a fine job and um, and he's already got you patience so um, if you'll um, look with me in the song of solomon chapter four i'd like to uh, begin reading in verse 12 of the song of solomon chapter four this is a great book it's actually one of my favorites, um, and, and I don't like to really say that because the Bible is my favorite book, but um, uh, I, I love to read this book. It, it makes me laugh a lot, and uh, one of the reasons that it makes me laugh a lot is because this is a story, and it's a dialogue between a man and a woman that are deeply in love. They are intimate, and uh, they are deeply <clears throat> in love. And um, what happens here is not to be recommended to Brother Cunningham. <laughs> And what this man does, what this man does with with this lady, uh, is quite unique. And he, in the first chapter, he says, "Honey, you look like a horse." <laughs> so, Brother Cunningham, please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> And in in this chapter that we're looking at in the, the fourth chapter, and you know women are very conscious of their necks. And this man says, Your neck's like the Tower of David. 
And, um, you know, that's not to be recommended, Philip, uh, to tell your wife that, uh, to tell her that she looks like a horse uh, or to describe some of her physical attributes. But this, in a humorous way, gives to us some of the, um, the great truths of the Scriptures. We take it one way, but we don't understand it. And when this man says to this woman that she is as a company of horses, it's a a great compliment. Because in the next few verses or chapter, he's described as a chariot, and a chariot is of no value without a horse. So if your marriage is like mine, I may be a glorious chariot, but I wouldn't go anywhere without my wife. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be uh where I am today, wherever that is, uh <laughs> without her. And when he says that your neck is as the Tower of David, that was the place that they were alert. They were watchful. They looked out for you. And no one in the world has ever looked after me better than my wife. And this is the way Solomon... You see, if you if you understand the intimacy between this man and this woman, you'll see that it's compliments and that it is things that can only be understood by those who love one another. And I really feel, I really feel that the message tonight is is of great importance It'll be a long way around. Just be patient with me for a minute. And let's look together. And I want to read this portion of the Lord's Word to you. Where in verse 12, the gentleman or the man is speaking. And he's speaking to this lady and he says, A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. He calls her three things. She's a garden that's enclosed. She's a spring that's shut up, and she is a fountain that's sealed. And he continues and he says, Thy plants are an orchard of pomegranates, with pleasant fruits, camphire, spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon. With all trees of frankincense, myrrh, aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, thou south, and blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out 
Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. If you'll think with me for a minute, it's my opinion that Solomon wrote this book as the scriptures tell us. I don't know why people think that someone else wrote it. Well, whoever else they think wrote it, his name was Solomon. And and he was what is described in the first chapter of this book, a shepherd king. That's what our Lord Jesus is. He is the good shepherd, but he is also the king. And what Solomon uh, is doing and, and what I think that he did is he wrote this to one specific lady. One that was dear to his heart. That he loved immensely. And this Jewish king is writing this book, in my opinion, to a Gentile woman, which makes it appropriately applicable to us. And the reason that I know that is found in 1 Kings chapter 14. Everyone knows how bad and how many wives Solomon had and so forth, but Few people can tell you the name of one. But there is one that's named. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 14. And if you'll, if you'll look there with me for a moment, just as a way of introduction, you'll, uh, you'll see what this, this name is. 1 Kings Chapter 14. In the 21st verse, you'll see that Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. And Rehoboam was 41 years old. And this means that Rehoboam was born at least one year before Solomon became king. Because Solomon only reigned 40 years. And you'll see that when he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there, And his mother's name was Naamah. And that's one of Solomon's wives. That's the one that I think that he's writing this book to. And she was an Ammonite, a Gentile. And this was a love affair that was of immense importance in Solomon's life. Whatever he did in his later years, he did this in a special way. 
Now this name, Naamah, is only found one other time in the Scriptures. And it's in the fourth chapter of Genesis. And she was one of the descendants of Cain. She was a sister to one of his heritage. There is no reason in the book of Genesis for her name to be given other than the fact that the Lord was reminding us of the importance of this name and how God can reach into the very depths of wickedness and bring something precious out of it by His wonderful grace. And so, in my opinion, this is the lady that Solomon is speaking to. And in this little book of the Song of Solomon, he says several things, if you're back with me in verse 12, and something that we've, we've pointed out several times. Solomon calls this lady his sister and his spouse. A sister is one who is born into the family. But a spouse is one that's chosen. And this is the thing that Solomon is trying to emphasize to us in this part of the Lord's Word. Not only was she born, but she was chosen. And then in the next part of this verse, he says that she is a garden enclosed. Most of us want to think, and the the Christian world wants to think, that what we've got to do is we've got to go out and we've got to win the world to Jesus. I thought that one time till I got several doors slammed in my face and I thought, this ain't for me. (laughs) So this lady is a garden that's enclosed. She's uh, surrounded and protected. But in this garden... There is the spring, and not only the spring, but there is a fountain that's sealed. It's protected. And in a sense, this is the condition of every real believer in Jesus Christ today. We are protected. We are provided for. And we are sealed in, in one sense. And we won't go into the specific of, of that just now. But I want you to see what Solomon is describing her as in a spiritual way. He says, in this garden, there are pomegranates, 
pleasant fruits, campfire, spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and and cinnamon, trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes with all the chief spices. That's the thing that pleased Solomon so much. It was beauty. Some of these are flowers. Some of these are spices. Some of these are healing ointments. And some of these are just fruits. But this garden was to be a precious, beautiful, fragrant place. And that's what it was to Solomon. And that's what the Lord wants for our lives. He wants it to be a beautiful thing. And he mentions nine things by name. Pomegranates, fruits, campfire, Spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, frankincense, myrrh and aloes. And obviously, uh, we won't have time to do but just one thing with these things. But can you imagine? What the Lord's trying to show us with this, if this is a garden that's enclosed, if this is a spring that's shut up and a fountain that's sealed, what good is her life? And if you'll notice in verse 16 of this chapter the bride says awake O north wind and come thou south blow upon my garden do you know what that does it sends the fragrance to the outside world of all of the things that are in this garden these winds send out the odor to the world. You go out into the world as a believer in Jesus Christ and you witness for Him, men will argue with you. I spoke to a man a while back and he said, do you mean to tell me that you think some girl come up one morning and said she was pregnant with a baby and never had relationships with a man? And I said, yes, sir, I sure do. And he said, you need to be in the insane asylum, son. You're crazy. Well, he's probably right, but I, but I was not wrong with, with what I believe. You see, men can argue with your words. They can't argue with an odor. 
And doesn't the Bible tell us that Paul said that we are a sweet savor unto God? But look, the north wind blows, and that's cold. Then the south wind will blow, and that's hot. But the fragrance is the same. And men look at us as believers in Jesus Christ when trials come. How do we react? And no matter if it's cold or no matter if it's hot, we continue to be the fragrant, beautiful, healing, protected force that the Lord wants us to be. And you'll see in the last part of the 16th verse, let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. And I'm going to try my very best to, um, to show you three other portions of Scripture in relation to this. And I just want to take one of these fruits to try to show you the comparison. If you look with me in verse 13, he mentions something in this verse. The pomegranates. This is a fruit, but this fruit should remind us of humility and lowliness. And did not Jesus say, Come unto me because I am meek and lowly? But how do you know that, Brother Royce? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 28. Exodus, chapter 28. And that's the chapter of the best-dressed man in the Bible. Exodus chapter 28. Skip down with me to verse 33. And when the Lord dressed this man, He said, when you put on all these expensive garments, and when you're adorned with these jewels and these pieces of gold, on the hem of those garments... You're to make pomegranates. That's lowly. It was near the ground. It's humility. And this is one of the virtues or the attributes that our Lord cherishes in the life of a believer. But do you know what happens? Years later... Solomon himself built a temple. 
And if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 7, you see a little interesting feature here. In 1 Kings chapter 7, in this first verse, Solomon is building his house, his own house. In chapter 5 and 6, he's building the temple. But then look down to verse 16. He made two chapters of brass, and these were huge things. He tells us how high they were. And then if you look down to verse 18, do you see what's on top of them? Palm granites. Do you know what he's saying to us? Just what the New Testament tells us. Whosoever will humble himself, I will exalt him. That's humility. And that's what each one of these fragrances and spices and fruits in this garden are typical of. Well, Brother Royce, that's, that's nice, you know, and all, but uh, where's the meaning? Just remember that there are nine of these things that are mentioned here. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 for a moment. And while you're turning, let me remind you that this is the inside of the garden. And folks, if we're not what we ought to be inside, we're worthless outside. We can say, do, or become, but if we're not what we ought to be inside, We're worthless outside. But in Matthew's Gospel, you'll see in verse 3, it is the beginning of some blessings. Do you know how many are there? There are nine. Do you know what the first one is? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the humility, the fruit that the Lord is picturing here. And I don't have time tonight. The clock's not blurred to me. I'll pay you, Alan. I'm sorry. (laughs) But look at this one. Just look at this one. The Lord promises to exalt those that are humble. Do you remember what the woman was in chapter 4? A garden 
a spring. It tickled me when Alan was talking because he referred to John chapter 14 where Jesus told this lady, if you'll drink of the water that I'll give you, it will be springing up unto that life that Alan's talked to us about. A spring. But then you would say, this is a unit. This is a garden. It's one unit. The Beatitudes are the same. They are a unit. But I don't know if I can do that or not. You can't. You, you, can't, you can't do that. So then how is this possible? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 5. In verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, but you can't, but you're not able, but the Spirit can. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Do you know how many are there? It is the Holy Spirit within us, whereby, as Tracy mentioned, we are led of the Spirit to be sons of God. Well, what advantage is that? Turn with me in your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 4, chapter 1 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust, giving all diligence... And he mentions in verse 5, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity, and in the eighth verse, knowledge again. 
And if you'll count those, you'll see that there are nine. And I'd like to point this out to you. The knowledge that he mentions in verse 6 is not the same knowledge as is mentioned in verse 8. In verse 6, it's just kind of a beginning. In verse 8, it's a complete, full, mature revelation. So then, preacher, what advantage is this? Read to me, read with me in verse 10. Brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you shall never fall. No way. No, sir. Oh, but preacher, somebody will trick you. No, they won't. I'll fail, but I ain't going to fall. No way. I'd rather be in the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ than to have anything this world has to offer. I mean anything. And in the next verse, this apostle Peter says, For so... An entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be a garden. Be the plan of the Lord. Let the fragrance of the Lord rule your life. Remember the promises that He's made to you in Matthew chapter 5. Help in your understanding to know that it's He, the Holy Spirit, that enables you to do these things. And with that in mind, an abundant entrance into that kingdom which our Lord and Savior has promised to us. Thank you for letting me speak to you tonight. And I know that God will bless you for coming to the meetings. Thank you, Brother Tracy.